Financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year. And then the inflation data came out, higher than expected. Friends, this isn't going away. It can't. The U.S. is $34 trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. Text STRANGE to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation with gold. Text STRANGE to 989898 now. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Is that all the, oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, Brady PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, an author, ghost hunter, historian, takes us on a tour of paranormal Appalachia. They would embalm the coal miners who would die from the coal mining accidents or from the communicable diseases that would be passed through the coal camp. On record, in the Whipple Company store basement, there were over 5,000 men who were actually embalmed. The coal miners would get a funeral, they would be buried in a pine box, and they would be prayed over. If you were a woman or a child in that coal camp, you did not get that luxury. Since the mighty Aphrodite and I have been taking ESS-60, the purest form of carbon-60, we're thrilled to tell you we're both sleeping well and pain-free. ESS-60 is raw carbon-60 that's been produced, certified, and guaranteed for safer human consumption. C60 is a mega antioxidant and is known to have 172 times the antioxidant power of vitamin C, 172 times. ESS60 is the carbon 60 formulation used in the 2012 original Paris study that showed ESS60 doubled the lifespan of rats. That's right, doubled their lifespan. I'm so proud to be associated with my good friends at c60evo.com. Their scientists invented the only reactor machine of its kind to produce carbon-60 back in 1991. They've been a top producer and distributor of C60 worldwide ever since. And the demand has been astounding. ESS-60 from C60Evo.com is available in 4, 8, 16, and 32-ounce bottles. Choose from single bottles, monthly subscriptions, or cases of 12 bottles. ESS-60, the purest form of carbon-60 available. Get yours at 
c60evo.com slash ref slash rs1 c60evo.com slash ref slash rs1 use the promo code rs1spec rs1spec to get 5% off ESS60 from c60evo.com Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett Pursuing the truth wherever it leads Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Monday. Wash your hands, don't panic, turn off the mainstream media. That's my three-point strategy for combating the Wuhan virus. Uh, just a reminder that I'll be sitting in for George Norrie on Coast to Coast AM this coming Friday. That's March the 20th. Go to coasttocoastam.com for more information. Ghosts, spirits, legends, and dark history abound throughout the mountain state of West Virginia and surrounding states, from the West Virginia State Penitentiary to the Ohio State Reformatory, the Nemecolon Castle in neighboring Pennsylvania, Sherry Brake has investigated these and countless other haunted locations throughout Appalachia, and she's here to share some of these remarkable tales. Sherry is an author, lecturer, and paranormal investigator. She owns the award-winning Haunted Heartland Tours, and has instructed classes on the paranormal while finding time to consult on a few paranormal TV shows and lead yearly adventure tours to Ireland and Scotland. Sherry writes a monthly column in Tulane Livin' and Graffiti Magazines. She leads tours and ghost hunts in several states. She's the author of Haunted Stark County, Ohio, The Haunted History of the Ohio State Reformatory, The Haunted History of the West Virginia Penitentiary, and Fireside Folklore of West Virginia, Volumes 1, 2, and 3. Also, The Ghost Hunter's Guide to the West Virginia Pen, and The Haunted History of the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. She's a member of many historical and heritage societies and lives on a 100-acre farm in central West Virginia with her family. Their house is slightly haunted. Sherry Brake, welcome to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? I am well. Thank you very much, Richard, for having me on. I've been very excited to do this. My pleasure. Is there a better place for a paranormal investigator to be than West Virginia? Well, I can think of many places that investigators would love to be, but uh, West Virginia pretty much has it all. We've got the hauntings and the history and the mystery. And what is it about Appalachia? What, what are the ingredients that make Appalachia such a hotspot for paranormal activity? Well, I think it, it really goes back hundreds of years ago to the Native American Indians that were in this area. Um, legend has it, folklore has it, that the natives were kind of a little afraid of the area that is now known as, as West Virginia. Um, they spoke of, of monsters and apparitions and, um, you know, they never really set up any kind of permanent establishment or a settlement here. 
Uh, they would traipse through the area. They would do their raids. Um, they would use the area for, for hunting, for fishing. Uh, and there were Indian trails that cut through the area, but nobody really established a, a settlement here. And uh, it's believed because they could feel this energy. Um, there was a uh, ominous feel uh, to the, you know, when they were in the woods and along the rivers and creeks and just, just weren't comfortable. So, you know, you go back all the way to the frontier days uh, where you have the Indians with this belief that the area is haunted or has bad energy. Um, and then you zip forward a little bit and you've got some unusual monster sightings. You have Bigfoot sightings. You have uh, a few Civil War battles happening within uh, the state of West Virginia. Um, you have coal mining accidents, you know, where thousands of people have, have died. Uh, you have the folklore that's been passed down from the Scots-Irish immigrants as well, you know, about the ghosts and the, you know, the strange and unusual animals outside their cabin door. So we really do have a, have a recipe for the paranormal. And on top of all that, you have to look at some of the buildings that we have in, in West Virginia that you see quite often on any of these paranormal television shows. Uh, buildings such as the West Virginia Penitentiary and the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, both very popular destinations for those that seek the paranormal. Yes, uh, I was last early summer. I was down in uh, Moundsville, West Virginia. Uh, our mutual friend Mark Eddy met us down there. Oh, yes. gave, gave us a little bit of a tour. I was on a baseball road trip with my boys, and we were en route to. Uh, Pittsburgh to see the pirates. So we stopped off in Moundsville, and of course, right across from the uh, the museum and the the terrific um, mound is the yes. aforementioned uh, penitentiary. And uh, that is, uh, I know that is, you know, uh, well trodden territory for uh, for for ghost uh, hunting TV shows. But that was my first sort of face to face with this magnificent, ominous structure. Um, and, and it is. Yeah. It is. It very much is. Tell me a little bit about the the, the history uh, of sure. that penitentiary. Well, I'm I'm really pas passionate about the building, um, specifically, I guess, due to the fact that for the last 18 years, I've been bringing thousands of people uh, to go through the the doors with me and investigate. Uh, you know, till four o'clock in the morning. So I've been doing this for about 18 years. At that building, uh, in particular, I love the West Virginia Penitentiary. I love its history. Um, the first time I walked inside the doors of this Gothic fortress, I felt like I had been there before, which kind of freaks me out because I'm, you know, I'm wondering was, was maybe I a, you know, an inmate in the past? <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. Uh, I hope I was on the other side of the, of the law, but, um, I just really felt at home. And, um, you know, this building was built by Civil War labor, Confederate soldiers that were held in prison. Of course, back in the day, West Virginia was part of Virginia uh, until 1863, and then it became West Virginia, and there was a need for a prison to be built. And at the time, in 1865, when there was talk of building a prison, the capital of the state was right there in Wheeling, yes. West Virginia, just Minutes a few away. miles. Yeah. Yes, just a few miles away. So that's why, 
you would choose, you know, to have the penitentiary there. Typically, if you're putting a, a penitentiary, a state institution, you're going to try to be someplace more centrally located than up in a northern panhandle of the state. But they went ahead, they built this prison, and they built it as a Gothic fortress, a stone prison to keep inmates in. But over the years, around 500 men tunneled out uh, or escaped in some manner, either by climbing over the 25-foot hole walls or, uh, you know, cutting a hole through the HVAC system and shimmying out that way. Um, The building was built to keep people in. The building was built as a place to execute prisoners who were condemned to death. So you have an electric chair, and you had the rope. These were two methods of execution, uh, starting with the rope. And there were 85 hangings that took place on site. 85 men were put to death. Nine electrocutions were in the electric chair. Uh, on top of that death, you all you have um, about 998 documented murders and suicides Dear Lord. taking place in the building. So square foot by square foot, you certainly have a recipe for paranormal activity. You have all this death. You have um, all of these feelings, these emotions, uh, hate, anger, um, fear. And, uh, you know, many researchers, paranormal researchers and investigators believe that that energy kind of gets left on the, the atmosphere. So you have the dark history, you have all these executions, these have murders, suicides, you have the energy of the building um, as well, because it's right across the street from the Grave Creek Mound, which is a, an old uh, mound site built by the Adena tribe. Um, so you factor in the earth energy, you factor in all of this death and disease and, and cruel treatments by the, the warden and the staff. Um, it, it makes for a pretty interesting investigation. Just layer upon layer upon layer. Uh, I, I love the, uh, the the subtitle of your book on the West Virginia Penitentiary, Afterlife with No Parole. That ought to win an award. <laughs> right. Wasn't that good? <laughs> That's an amazing title. <laughs> well, I, I took that from the fact that, uh, you know, with my business, Haunted Heartland Tours, when I, when I originally had to have T-shirts made, I wanted to come up with something kind of catchy. So I came up with Get an Afterlife. Brilliant, brilliant. You know, instead of get a life, get an afterlife. So, of course, when I wrote the book on the penitentiary, I kind of drew up on that and said, well, you know, afterlife with no parole. What's the the most frightening encounter you've had at the West Virginia Pen? Oh, boy, there, there's been a few. Yeah, As you can imagine, over 18 years of investigations and tours, um, I've been there, oh, I'm probably going to say maybe three, 400 times um, over the years, and of course, I'm, I'm there with a business perspective because I'm taking people there on the tour uh, and we're venturing, you know, into the darkness and I hear everybody's stories, you know, after the event is over. A few days later, people will, they'll email me or they'll send me photographs or they'll send me some EVP files, some audio files to listen to. So I hear the stories and I, on top of hearing others' stories, I have a couple of my own. Um, there is an area inside the prison, and I'm sure you probably remember this when you were there on your tour, Richard. Uh, it's an area called North Hall. 
Yes, um, yes. No- North Hall is basically maximum security inside of maximum security. Uh, when you went to the penitentiary, of course, you would be assigned a cell, and you would never be given a cell immediately in North Hall. North Hall was where the worst of the worst was kept. If after you had uh, been there and committed a murder inside the prison or some other heinous crime towards another inmate, you would be put into the North Hall section. This is where people that could not play well with others would be kept. So I, I vividly remember it was one evening tour. It was um, between 1 and 2 o'clock in the morning, and I was strolling throughout the prison, making sure that everybody was okay. We had about 50 people with us on this evening. It was a Saturday night. And uh, I remember it was a full moon, and of course the prison is, is drenched in darkness. We've got the power shut off in the majority of the prison, so there are no lights on uh, out in the cell areas. And the full moon was streaming through the windows, lighting up my path, so I wasn't even using a flashlight. I was just walking through the darkness, and I got spit on. Dear Lord. Spit on. From, from up above. It wasn't a drop of rain. It wasn't uh, water leaking from the ceiling. It was like a glob of human spit. And, of course, I'm standing in North Hall, and there are tiers upon tiers upon tiers of cells. So probably three, three floors up above me, this comes flying down and lands on me. And my first thought is, who, who would do that? Who was up there? And then I remembered I was in North Hall. You cannot venture above the first level of cells because they are locked up above you. There's no way anybody could get up there. You would have to have the key to get up there, and generally they kept that section of the, of the cell tier locked. So, of course, I was completely grossed out by this. And then, I, of course, I remember again, well, that that makes sense because the only way that these inmates could retaliate against the correctional officers was to spit on them through the bars of the cell or they would save up human excrement and throw it lovely as they walked past it got to be so bad that some of the correctional officers made a device of sorts on wheels it was like a big sheet of plexiglass and they would wheel this along in North Hall as they would walk down there, and it kind of protected them from getting anything thrown on them. So that that was kind of a gro- <laughs> was kind of a gross event to happen. Uh, the second second event is I had my hair pulled. Uh, I was walking through North Hall once again, one of the most active areas of the prison. I had stepped inside of a cell. I had a flashlight that night, and I was shining it on the walls of the cell because the inmates would write poetry, they would draw cartoons, they would sketch their names on the inside of the cell. So I was just standing there reading some of the inmate scrawlings and uh, had my head physically jerked back. Uh, My hair at the time was in the middle of my back and somebody had pulled my hair. So of course I turn around thinking that it might be my husband or it might be a tour guest who was just trying to scare me and there was nobody in the cell. So that really got my attention. I'll um, say. As, yes, as, fo- as far as other things, I mean, I would see shadow people all the time. You know, the shadowy figures up and down the hallway. 
uh, and there's never any human <laughs> attached to them. So that gets your attention as well. It is a, it's a fascinating place to explore. I'll say, and I understand it came a close second to the uh, Ohio State pen as the shooting location for Shawshank Redemption. Right, right. Yes, it did. Uh, Stephen King, uh, as a matter of fact, one of my one of my favorite uh, books and one of my favorite movies. And I do do tours at the Ohio State Reformatory in Mansfield, Ohio, uh, as well. And of course, that was built as a reformatory. That was not built as a penitentiary. Uh, the reformatory, in essence, they believed that they could fix you, help you, rehabilitate you. So when that building in Mansfield, Ohio was built, it was built beautifully to look like a German castle. Um, it's very impressive architecturally, and it was designed that way to uplift the men that would be incarcerated there, to make them want to be a better person. So two completely different types of institutions um, the Ohio State Reformatory, they never executed anybody there because that was done in Columbus, Ohio at the state penitentiary. This was a, um, a reformatory. But nonetheless, it had its shares of, of murders and suicides. Uh, people set themselves on fire in their cell. They hung themselves with the pants of their uniform inside the cell. So, um, you know, it, uh, it ranks up there with paranormal activity, just like the West Virginia Penitentiary. More of my conversation with author, historian, ghost hunter, Sherry Brake, when Conspiracy Unlimited returns. Hi there. I want to tell you about a podcast I know you're going to love. It's called The Dead Files from Travel Channel. On The Dead Files, Amy Allen and Steve DeShavi investigate the paranormal activity haunting real people and homes across the United States. Amy and Steve come from totally different perspectives when they investigate. Amy's a medium. She sees and speaks to dead people and uses this skill to find out why someone might be haunting a place. Steve is a retired homicide detective. He tackles the case from the other end of the spectrum and uses public records and witness accounts to piece together the history of the haunted location. On every episode, Steve and Amy investigate a different, real haunting to help the family struggling with its effects. On one episode in Falconer, New York, a family keeps waking up with scratches and bruises. They also see a shadow figure lurking around their home. They call Amy and Steve to investigate. Amy uses her strength as a medium to understand who the presence is coming from and why it's so angry. Separately, Steve finds out the history of the house from the townspeople and in public records. He finds that several people who lived in this house died, which matches Amy's findings. At the end of the episode, Steve and Amy share their findings and make a recommendation on whether it's safe to stay in the house or time to get out. There are so many crazy stories on the dead files, and what's interesting about Amy and Steve is that they investigate the hauntings from two totally different perspectives. You listen to my podcast because you love tales of the paranormal, but if you want more, Listen to The Dead Files wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Samantha Cole, host of the new season of Understood, The Pornhub Empire. 
Over the course of four episodes, I'll tell you how a horny YouTube knockoff in Canada came to dominate the porn world, only to shatter their cheeky reputation in a massive scandal. The Pornhub Empire is a new season of Understood from the CBC. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. The highly anticipated second season of the hit podcast Proof is finally here. Proof is an investigative true crime podcast co-hosted by Susan Simpson of Undisclosed and Jacinda Davis of Evil Lives Here. Proof made headlines for its first season in 2022 after proving the innocence of two Georgia men serving life sentences for murdering their friend Brian Bowling when they were just 17 years old. 25 years later, on December 8, 2022, both men were finally freed based on evidence unearthed by Proof. In the second season of Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, Susan and Jacinda are on the case again, this time traveling the streets of Manteca, California, to uncover who really murdered 18-year-old Rene Ramos. On June the 5th, 2000, Ramos's body was found buried under a pile of debris inside the shell of a new Home Depot building. Despite tips hinting at alternate suspects, tips that were ignored until now, Renee's boyfriend, 18-year-old skateboarder Jake Silva, and Ty Lopez, the 33-year-old uncle of one of Jake's close friends, were arrested and convicted of her murder. Fans of true crime and investigative series won't want to miss this riveting new season. Follow the case as Susan and Jacinda uncover long-overlooked evidence about what really happened to Renee by listening to Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, wherever you get your podcasts. It's time once again to welcome Colleen Forges, our nutritional expert and the manager at Strange Planet Full Script Dispensary. Colleen, welcome. Hi, Richard. How are you today? I'm terrific, but a lot of people are in a bit of a panic. A lot of people are stressed with this whole coronavirus thing, but people just need to keep calm. What do we have to help people calm themselves? Richard, there's a product called MagSu, Mags being short for magnesium. And this is a powder, which is a fat-acting, calming, raspberry lemonade-flavored powder. Magnesium is important for over 325 functions in the body. It helps to promote a restful sleep. It's good for muscle tone and function. It helps us to balance our stress response. Good for blood pressure, blood sugar, digestion, hormones. It has a wide variety of things that are important for the body, but especially helps with stress. Terrific. To get your mag soothe, just go to strangeplanet.ca and click on the full script dispensary button. Remember, all orders receive 10% off and orders of $50 or more ship for free. These products have not been evaluated by the FDA and are not intended to treat, diagnose, or cure. If you have a medical concern, please consult your healthcare provider. If there's one thing money can't buy, it's sanity. <laughs> Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Sherry Brake, the author of Fireside Folklore of West Virginia, Volumes 1, 2, and 3, is here. You mentioned Ohio State German Castle. Take mm-hmm. us to another another castle in, in Brownsville, Pennsylvania this time, the Nima Collin Castle. Oh, sure. Wow. What a, what a cool place this is. Um, I've been going there about five years. It's in Brownsville, Pennsylvania. Um, it sits high up on a hill above the Mongahela River, above the Mon River. Very commanding presence. And it was established there 
as a uh, site for a fort back in the 1700s. Um, the name Nemecolon comes from the chief Nemecolon, who was chief of the Shawnee, and that's how the castle got its name. It's also called Bowman's Castle, and the Bowman family lived there for uh, many, many generations. So it's known as Nemecolon Castle and also Bowman Castle. But you have this fort being built on a hillside up above the Mon River, beautiful commanding presence on the hillside. Um, so part of the building when you walk inside is like a log cabin style, very old, uh, wooden floors. And then as you walk through other sections of the, of the home, you realize that this is a castle indeed. There are turrets, there are marble um, fireplaces, uh, mahogany handrails um, for the staircases, paintings, Tiffany glass globes on some of the lights, beautiful uh, ornate gold and silver leaf on the walls that has been used as uh, stencils. So this is, it's a beautiful site. It kind of catches you off guard when you walk inside because you're like, what time period is this from? You know, but it started back in the 1700s and uh, it's passed down through the Bowman family. As far as its paranormal activity, there have been the sounds of children playing. There have been apparitions of children in the hallways. Uh, there have been sightings of a woman wearing maid attire. Uh, and all other cool things. It's just really an, an interesting building to be able to, to investigate. And we do it as a small group. We do about 25 people uh, just because of the size of the building. And also it, that's a nice, intimate size for an investigation. And a lot, of the, cool place. a lot of the original furniture is still there and even some of the, yes. clothing, the clothing. Yes, yes. Uh, when the family, the Bowman family, uh, decided you know, we're not going to continue on this property. They gave it over to the Historical Society, and they, they have maintained it. Um, there was an auction that took place, so a lot of the uh, items were sold off, but there's still quite a, quite a bit left behind. Children's dressing gowns, children's toys, um, you know, quilts on the bed original to the house, paintings, um, ceramic, glassware. I mean, as you walk from room to room, um, it, it's a museum. And it's very cool that we get the opportunity to explore it at night like that. So the energy obviously very different at the Nemo yes. Collin Castle than it would be at the Western West Virginia Penn. Yes, very much so because you have, uh, of course, you have different reasons for those buildings being built. Uh, one was a happy family home that used to be a fort, and the other was basically built to keep men inside of to force them. Uh, you know, into a life of basically uh, solitary existence. Um, so two different kinds of energies. And we find that, too, when we go to hospital locations. Um, for instance, Waverly Hills Sanatorium in Kentucky, uh, which was a, used as a tuberculosis sanatorium. Um, you still have that heavy feeling. You still have activity. But you can experience also great uh, areas of sadness because of how these people died. Uh, getting just back to the, the Nemo Collin Castle for a moment, mm -hmm. because it, it is at the, um, the terminus of the Nemo Collin Trail, which was 
a lot of activity from Native Americans. You had the Delawares and the, I guess the Shawnee and maybe the Iroquois in that area. Must have been some, yeah. a lot of, you know, not always uh, uh, those, those, those Indian nations didn't always get along. So I'm guessing there must have been some blood in that soil. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And any area that is well-traveled, um, you know, the old stagecoach routes, uh, the Western migration, the trails, the Indian trails, any area that has a lot of coming and going throughout the years and thousands and thousands of people that have walked the trail, I really do believe that, that some of that energy um, gets left behind. Uh, it's imprinted. Um, I find that in, in bars, taverns, hotels, saloons, um, you know, historic places where you have all of this, you know, people doing battle, Gettysburg, Antietam, Fredericksburg, places during the Civil War, uh, you know, locations that were fought in World War One, World War Two, any type of, of war like that where great devastation is left behind, that people, you know, sensitive people, and even those that are not sensitive, can kind of pick up on that energy. They feel it, you know, they're driving across the the battlefield in Gettysburg and they get out of their car and they walk over to a monument and they they stand there and then they they feel like this overwhelming sense of of uh, of sadness and I really think that they pick up on that sure sure um, the other thing I think of when I think of Appalachia is coal of course coal mining and uh, take us inside the Whipple Coal Company store it's still there right <laughs> oh yeah, it is. And I, you know, I love taking people to these big locations, you know, where where you've got thousands and thousands of cells or these huge hospitals where there's, you know, hundreds of rooms and things like that, but these little places, these little gems off the beaten path uh that have the history and have the hauntings, I I really really enjoy going to. And the Whipple Coal Company store is one of those. Um it's located in West Virginia. It is uh, the south central part of West Virginia in Fayette County. Scarborough, um, Scarborough, right? Yes, Scarborough. Yes, correct. It uh, was built as a general store by one of the coal barons. Now, a coal baron would be somebody that would own the coal mines, the coal mine operator. Uh, so, they, of course, they call them barons. And when these coal mines would would come into existence, you would have a area that would be filled up with company homes that would be built by the coal company. And of course, these men that would be working in the coal mines, they would be paid and they would not be paid in regular currency. They would be paid in what was called scrip. And coal mine scrip looks like a coin, but on the coin, it has the name of the coal company stamped. And it would be like in a penny, five cents, 10 cents, a quarter, you know, like that dollars, five dollars, ten dollars, and you would be paid in a script, and you would be expected to go to the local company store, and that is how you would purchase your items at the store. You would buy things like dresses, pants, uniforms, uh, the coal mining helmets, your lunch boxes, your dinner buckets, as they were called. You could buy meat, you could buy flour, you could buy shoes, anything could be uh, bought at these company stores, and you had to pay the company price. So when the Whipple Coal Company store uh, was built, it was a grand building. Uh, on the first floor was the general store. Uh, in the basement, they had a printing press 
and they would print their own newspaper. So if you can imagine working for a company and they're the ones that write the news, whenever there's a disaster or accidents or anything negative that would happen in the community, of course, it would not even make it into the newspaper or it would be buried on the last page. Right, right. So the cold, the cold, the cold baron runs the show. It reminds me of the. Not uh, only. Sorry, I just. Gonna, it reminded me of the, the Tennessee Ernie Ford song, Sixteen Tons." I owe my soul Definitely. to the company to store. To the company store, and and they did, they did. Also in the basement of the building, they would do embalming. They would embalm the coal miners who would die from the coal mining accidents, or from the communicable diseases that would be passed through the coal camp. On record. Uh, in the Whipple, Whipple Company store basement, there were over 5,000 men who they have names for that were actually embalmed in that basement, and they were coal miners. My word. Now, the, the coal miners would get a funeral. They would be buried in a pine box, and they would be prayed over. If you were a woman or a child in that coal camp, you did not get that luxury. So the men were more revered, of course, than the women, or the children. Dear so now Lord. you have this building. You have over 5,000 men that were embalmed in the basement and prayed over in the basement. You also have a few documented murders that took place inside this building. Yikes. There was a coal miner that came into the store and tried to purchase some items with another company's script, which would be considered an insult, and he was gunned down on site. Wow. There was another incident of a man who was playing poker after hours in the general store with a group of men. Uh, supposedly, this man was winning, and he was accidentally found hanging in the elevator shaft the next day. And his death was deemed an accident. Because, of course, who writes the newspaper? The company. <laughs> the coal the company. company does. That's it. The coal company does. So you've got all of this, uh, these documented murders. Um, there was a room on the top floor of this building where children would be housed if they were believed to have a communicable disease. Wow. Because if you've got children that are sick, then the miners will get sick, then the production goes down. Sure. So these children would be brought in to the Whipple Coal Company store. They would be taken to a store, uh, to a room upstairs known as the quarantine room, and hopefully within a few days they would get better. If they didn't get better, then they passed away, unfortunately, in the quarantine room. Dear Lord. So you've got the embalming going on in the basement, you've got this quarantine mm -hmm. room, meanwhile they're dancing in the ballroom upstairs. Right, right, and on the top floor as well, uh, just off from the quarantine room is, is the ballroom area. So um, Lucy and Justice Collins, they were the owners of the uh, coal mine there. Uh, Justice built the property, and his wife Lucy wanted to have these grand dances that would take place. So what better place than the top floor of the ballroom? Uh, and, uh, you know, it's pretty cool. I mean, there are people that have said that they've heard music playing when they've sat up there, you know, that they've heard children uh in the in the quarantine room and walking around so it's it's a curious place um it's sold at auction last year and it's closed at this time so i'm i'm kind of keeping my fingers crossed I, it'll be an interesting chapter for that building i i hope that they eventually do open it back up it's not it's not that big a structure what is, it's less than two thousand square feet right 
Oh, no, it's, um, gosh, I want to say it's around 12,000 square oh, feet. Oh, 12,000. I misread that yeah. then. Okay. All yeah. Right. Yeah. It's got, uh, there's three levels, uh, plus you have a basement. And uh, it's a pretty impressive structure for just being a wood build. It's frame built. Uh, but it's seen its share of shootouts. You know, back in the 1920s, there were coal mining wars between the workers and the owners of the coal mine. And they would basically shoot it out on the steps. Uh, as a matter of fact, there's a huge plate window there that still has the bullet holes from the 1920 mine, mine wars across the front of the building. So it was built like a fortress. It, even, the, even the shape of the staircase outside is, is interesting uh, because it's built with, oh, I want to say probably 40 steps, and they're a little bit awkward to go up and down. And the, the reason why they built it like that is it would slow people down from attacking the building. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. Amazing. One of the most unusual haunted locations in West Virginia has to be the Lake Shawnee Amusement Park. Oh, right. Yes, very much so. Um, you know, you talk about frontier history uh, here in, in the Mountain State and the bloody history of the Civil War as well. That Back during the frontier days, there was an uh, unfortunate incident that happened there um, in Princeton, West Virginia, at a place known as Lake Shawnee, um, and the reason, of course, they named it Lake Shawnee is because of all the Shawnee in the area. But there was a, a frontier family that lived there. I want to say it was back in the 1780s. Um, and unfortunately, there were children that were uh, victims of, a, uh, of an attack by the Shawnee, and they're, they're buried there. Uh, so it was believed that the area was kind of cursed. You have that negative um, tragedy, that horrific tragedy that happened, leaving negative energy on the site uh, and then you forward fast about a hundred years and you have a man who decides to put an amusement park in uh, you know and there's a ferris wheel and you know wooden swings that spin around and all kinds of rides for for kids and for adults and um, there was a horrific accident that happened there was a, a child that was on the swings you know spinning around spinning around and a delivery truck had pulled up, uh, I believe it was to deliver some food to one of the concession stands and accidentally backed in uh, to the swings and uh, killed a girl on impact. And it said that, um, that her energy, that her spirit still wanders uh, throughout the amusement park. Um, there was also a drowning in the lake uh, of a little boy. Um, and then you have that energy from from that horrific massacre that happened. So it's, uh, it's been on a few of the television shows, you know. Uh, you get some people that go down there and investigate it. It's always difficult to investigate an, an outdoor property like that. Um, as an investigator, you know, you got to rule out so many different sounds, you know, the neighborhood, people talking, sound carries across the valley, uh, cars, you know, with their noises and whatnot. And so, and the weather factors in. You know, as an investigator, when you try to take good photographs, you want to make sure that there's not fog, you know, moisture, pollen, uh, rain, things like that. So it's it's a difficult site to investigate, but um, I can certainly appreciate the the dark history of it. Uh, we're gonna have to have you back because we haven't even touched on the the Mothman, uh, Bigfoot, oh, uh, the Flatwoods Monster. Yeah. There's so much to discuss, but and we'll do that. We'll have you back on and we'll and we'll talk about uh, some of the strange mythical creatures of Appalachia. But before we do that, um, tell us uh, how we get a hold of you at Haunted Heartland Tours. 
Sure, sure. Uh, and, and thank you. Um, my company is called Haunted Heartland Tours. And uh, the best way to, to reach me is uh, through the website, which is hauntedhistory.net, hauntedhistory.net. Uh, also, I'm on Instagram, Facebook. Um, I've got, I think, seven or eight Facebook pages. Uh, I'm author of about nine books, and uh, those are available on Amazon. But if anybody's interested, they can just check out the website, and uh, you can purchase spots through there or come out and see me at an event. would love to meet folks. Sherry, it was great meeting you, and uh, we will have you back on soon, and we'll, uh, as I say, discuss the Mothman, Bigfoot, Flatwoods Monster, uh, and much oh, more. Oh, yeah. <laughs> great. Thank you, Richard. Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll return in a few moments to tell you a little bit about the next installment of Conspiracy Unlimited. I want to welcome a brand new sponsor to Conspiracy Unlimited, and I couldn't be more proud to be associated with the good people at Hero Soap. It's owned by veterans, and their products are outstanding. Their soaps contain no chemicals, dyes, or fragrances, and they come in these really cool resealable packages. So you can take your soap with you on the road instead of using those gross hotel soaps, or take it camping. I'm using the Peppermint Cool Soap, and the moment I started lathering up, I felt a cool, refreshing, and tingly wave wash over me. I felt more clean, more refreshed, more alive. And not only does my body feel refreshed, I feel good on the inside, knowing that the Hero Soap Company supports veterans. Sign up for the hassle-free monthly auto ship, and you'll never run out of quality natural soap again, and you'll save 10%. Plus, for every soap purchased through the subscription, one soap is sent to deployed troops around the world for free. If you want to get clean and feel refreshed and support veterans all at the same time, check out Hero Soap at HeroSoapCompany.com HeroSoapCompany.com Look for the banner ad at StrangePlanet.ca slash Conspiracy Show and in the episode notes for this podcast. Hero Soap. Let freedom clean. Coming up next time on Conspiracy Unlimited, ufologist Preston Dennett shares never-before-told tales from contactees who were taken aboard UFOs. Nice gentleman, worked as a mechanic repairing the planes for the Special Forces, and had no history of encounters ever. His brother was an abductee, and one night in 1994, Kim Kamen wakes up in his home in Illinois, and uh, there are greys surrounding his bed, and they're saying, don't be afraid, come with us. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. 
But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 